And now I'll introduce today's guest. Um, we've all heard, I'm sure, that one of the greatest success stories of the past decade has been the emergence of China and India as the economic powerhouses. These two countries, for centuries among the poorest and most populous in the world, have and are transforming themselves as world leaders, challenging historic frontrunners of ingenuity and innovation like the US, Japan, and Germany. And they did it, without exaggeration, in a matter of a few years. How? Here are a few facts and figures to consider. In 1978, 1.4% of China's college-age population was involved in higher learning. In 2005, it was roughly 20%. In 2003, China supported more than 1,500 institutions of higher learning, that is, colleges and universities, and the 725,000 professors and 11 million students who attended them. In the last 10 years, China has increased its number of undergraduates and people who hold doctoral degrees fivefold. Every year, it graduates 450,000 students in engineering, 50,000 with master's degrees, and 8,000 with PhDs. India tells a similar story. 300 universities, 15,600 colleges, sending out 2.5 million graduates each year, including 350,000 engineers, twice the number produced by the U.S. As Ontario's Minister of Training, Colleges and Universities, our guest today has undoubtedly looked at these numbers very carefully and their implications. Back in April 2004, Premier Dalton McGuinty went on record saying that dramatic improvements in public education would be the centerpiece of his government's mandate. He appointed the Honourable Bob Ray, former Premier of Ontario and now Federal MP for Toronto Centre, to assess the province's higher education system. Next month, it'll be five years since Mr. Ray tabled his report entitled Ontario, a Leader in Learning. And a wide variety of stakeholders contributed to it, and as a result, it was a broad evaluation of the state of higher education in Ontario, its implications for the future of the province, the successes of its people, and what we need to do to improve upon them. A lot has happened in five years. In October 2007, the Honorable John Malloy, member of Kitchener Centre, was appointed Minister of Training, Colleges and Universities. With the job came the responsibility of ensuring that the people of Ontario have the skills, the knowledge, and the training to compete with the best of the world in the years to come. Today, he'll bring us up to date on the program called Reaching Higher, telling us how the recommendations of Mr. Ray's report are being implemented, on the progress that's being made to train Ontarians for success in the future, and what still needs to be done to get us where we need to be. Without further ado, please help me welcome our guest today, Minister John Malloy. Thank you. Uh, I've got a height thing going there. There, does that uh, that works? Thank you very much, uh, uh, John, for that uh, that very kind introduction, and I think uh, a very good way to uh, set discussions uh, today's discussion in context. I actually I, I appreciated your kind words, and I've never actually done this before, but I, I've got to tell you that you you missed in your introduction one of the things that I'm proudest that I've achieved as Minister of Training Colleges and Universities, and that's the, uh, the birth of my son, uh, uh, John Patrick. I guess I wasn't technically minister at the time, but I was MPP. Uh, in fact, it's, uh, it's been quite a, uh, an amazing Christmas around our house. He just turned four, and he did his first television interview. Uh, we, uh, we had a, uh, an event in my community for the Olympics, and uh, I made a speech. It was all wonderful and the, the press came running over and I thought they wanted to talk to me but instead they said can we talk to your son and as I say he just turned four so I leaned down uh, and I whispered and I said look the, the person with the camera is going to talk to you two hints speak very loudly 
because he tends to mumble, and talk about hockey, because the Olympics, <laughs> hockey, he loves hockey. So the cameraman, uh, she came up, she had her camera, the reporter, and she, she put the microphone out and she said, are you excited about the Olympics coming to Canada? And he paused and he leaned down into the microphone and said, yes. <laughs> and she said, so what sport are you going to watch? And I'm just off camera going, so he paused for the longest time, and then he leaned into the microphone and said, he repeated the question back, always good training here, <laughs> repeated back and said, at the Olympics, I'm looking forward to watching football. <laughs> so. so a number of people have said it's the, it's the smartest thing uh, anyone in my family has ever said on television. <laughs> but, uh, Thank you very much. As I say, John, thank you very much for the, the kind introduction, and thank you all for being here today in such uh, large numbers. I'm a bit overwhelmed when I see so many uh, leaders here from the world of uh, post-secondary education and training, so many groups and organizations that are, are, are present. I tried to find five minutes to sneak away and rewrite my speech so I could welcome all of you, but uh, uh, there are far, far too many people to acknowledge. But I do want to focus on a few people that are, that, that are here, very, very special guests, starting with my colleagues from the legislature, both uh, past and present. We've, uh, of course, seen uh, up here at the head table really uh, the history of training colleges and universities in the McGuinty government. I also have uh, Kevin Flynn is here, the MPP from Oakville, who's my parliamentary assistant. Uh, Reza Moretti is here, uh, a parliamentary assistant in my role as uh, Minister of Research and, uh, and uh, Innovation. Charles Seuss is here from uh, Mississauga South. We also have someone very special to me, uh, a good friend and mentor, David Cooks here, who was uh, the MPP for my riding a number of years ago when, uh, when David uh, uh, Peterson was the Premier. As I say, we have leaders from the world of post-secondary education, uh, colleges and university presidents. We have uh, HECO here, the Higher Education uh, Quality Council. Frank Iacobucci and his team are here. And of course, we have uh, individuals from the, uh, the world of uh, training, uh, uh, leaders from trades unions and others who are involved in apprenticeship training. We have Private career colleges uh, are well represented here today. Basically, folks, uh, I think we've, uh, we've got all the usual suspects that are, that are gathered here today. And I certainly want to thank you all for, uh, for coming out, as well as thanking our sponsors, uh, uh, Council of Ontario Universities, Colleges Ontario, and of course the uh, IBEW. Uh, I have a challenge today. I'm uh, speaking before lunch. I was a bit nervous. I didn't find out that I was speaking before lunch until uh, Friday afternoon. And actually, this is a true story. I went to my chief of staff uh, for some reassurance and figuring that he'd say, don't worry, minister, the importance of your topic and the dynamism of your speech, no one will notice. Instead, he said, ah, John, don't worry, they'll have buns. So uh, <laughs> I'm assuming by that he means to snack on, not to throw. But we'll try our best to get through it. Now, there's a good setup in the introduction because I think it was noted that almost five years ago to the day, I think it's about uh, uh, 20 days from now, uh, Bob Ray, who actually did want to be with us here today, but unfortunately is uh, outside of the country, but Bob Ray, the former premier, presented a seminal report on Ontario's uh, post-secondary education and training system. 
And that report, of course, led to the Reaching Higher Plan, which was part of the 2005 budget, a policy and funding framework that helped transform Ontario's system of colleges, universities, and apprenticeship training. And today, as uh, we look back over these past five years and all that's been accomplished, we have a lot to celebrate. We even have a lot to brag about. Because quite frankly, Ontario can boast one of the finest post-secondary education and training systems on earth. So why does that matter? I think everyone in this room understands that the Ontario economy is going through a transformation right now. Advantages of the past, low wages, the low dollar, cheap commodities, they're increasingly becoming less important as we compete internationally. Many of us speak with pride about how well our grandparents did with only an elementary school education, or perhaps how our parents thrived with only high school. But I think it's no secret that this is no longer enough to support a strong economy in today's global marketplace. 70% of new jobs, the experts tell us, will require higher education. And if we want these jobs, We've got to be smarter, we've got to be better trained, and we've got to be better educated than the next guy. Now, that post-secondary education was going to be a fundamental ingredient in attracting and retaining jobs was something Premier McGuinty recognized soon after our government was first elected in 2003. And it was with jobs and Ontario's economic future in mind that he asked Bob Ray, to examine our higher education and training system and propose a blueprint for the future. Now, when he tabled his report in 2005, Mr. Ray pointed to a post-secondary education system characterized by what he called, and I'll use his words, benign neglect, plagued by skyrocketing tuition, dwindling government investments, stagnant completion rates, aging facilities, and little accountability. Our colleges, universities, and training institutions were lagging behind. Now, Bob gave us some good advice on how to fix the system, but his bottom line was that if Ontario was going to be a leader economically, we needed to be a leader in terms of education. Now, this was obviously music to the ears of, of the Premier, who had long advocated a strong education policy. But it was also music to the ears of a few other important individuals who are here with us today. This speech is sort of like a good episode of Murder, she wrote. It's got lots and lots of characters who are up here at the, uh, the head table. And the first was the then Minister of Training and Colleges and Universities of the day, Marianne Chambers. Marianne shared the Premier's passion for post-secondary education and training and helped transform Mr. Ray's uh, report into reaching higher. When Marianne was asked to take on the role of Minister of Children and Youth Services, her mission was picked up by another person who's here with us today, Chris Bentley, who took over TCU and was responsible for so much of the early implementation of the program. Another important actor in this drama is right there to my, uh, my right, your left, was of course the man with the money, the then Minister of Finance, Greg Cerbera. With the full support of the Premier, Greg had the political courage to make reaching higher a cornerstone of the 2005 budget. And I really want to single out Greg and the Premier and use the word courage, 
Because I've got to tell you, post-secondary education and training, although very, very important, it's not about retail politics. When you go door to door, you don't hear from people on it. And it took a lot of courage and leadership by the Premier to sit down with Greg and say, this is about the long-term future of our province. This is about the economy. We're going to make it the cornerstone. Oh. So the government, the Premier and Greg, they introduced uh, as part of the 2005 budget a $6.2 billion plan to transform the sector within Ontario. The largest single multi-year investment in post-secondary education and training in two generations. Greg, Marianne, Chris, to the Premier who of course is uh, is uh, always with us in spirit. I'm so pleased that we could gather today to talk about the last five years and talk about the success of this plan. Now the most important result of reaching higher bar none is that we have 100,000 more students in our post-secondary education system than we did when we took office. Now I've got to tell you as minister I throw around that figure all the time. 100,000 in question period, I'm up in a scrum in an interview. And yet, I want everyone in the room to pause and think about what 100,000 more students means. And I'll give you a way to think about it. The University of Toronto has 75,000 students. Ryerson University has 35,000 students. We have the equivalent today in our system of adding just a little more or a little less than the entire student population of the University of Toronto and Ryerson University. I think that's a pretty amazing accomplishment in five short years. Now, now as well as growing the number of students, the Reaching Higher Plan also gave them access to one of the most generous financial assistance programs in the country. And you know, despite my youthful appearance, I'm actually old enough, as others in this room may know, to remember when you went to university and you filled out an application form, and depending on your financial circumstances, you got a grant at the beginning of every semester. And those of you of my vintage or older may remember that. But what you may not know is that 17 years ago, those grants, they're technically called upfront grants, were phased out here in the province of Ontario. Reaching higher not only brought those grants back, but it increased the number of students who could get one, as well as substantially enhanced our student loan system. In fact, this year alone, we are providing Ontario students, and again, I'll ask you to pause and reflect on the size of this figure, $650 million in assistance. That's a 250% increase in the amount of financial support since we launched Reaching Higher. In fact, there's been a 40% increase in the number of students receiving financial assistance since we took office. And that doesn't include the tens of thousands of students who are part of our community college and private career college system through our training programs like Reaching Higher. Now, I would argue that although these grants and loans are crucial, the linchpin of our student assistance program is something called the Student Access Guarantee. A promise to every student in Ontario made by government, made by colleges and universities that they will not be prevented 
from going on to college or university because of lack of financial assistance. Now, student support, as we know, is not just about dollars. For Ontario to stay ahead of our business competitors, we need all of our people at their best. And that means making sure our education system reaches out to include everyone. Reaching higher targeted both programs and financial supports to underrepresented groups so that Aboriginal students, Francophone students who wanted to study in their mother tongue, students with disabilities, and first-generation students, those who are first in their family to want to pursue post-secondary education, had better access to colleges and universities. And there's a very, very important table down here uh, that I've, uh, I've, got to, I've got to single out, the Pathways Program, which I think many people are aware of. A wonderful program which operates here in Toronto and also in Ottawa in my home community of Waterloo Region, which takes students in high school and helps prepare them so that they can move on to colleges and universities. Students from at-risk neighborhoods and at-risk situations, and they're doing an amazing job to make sure that we have a system which is truly representative of Ontario. And even though it's only been five years, the successes are starting to come in. For example, the number of students with disabilities attending public colleges and universities has increased by almost 30%. As well as reaching out to bring students in, we also turned our attention to make sure that students were getting the highest quality learning experience we could offer. As a starting point, we significantly increased operating funding to our colleges and universities. And again, I'll let you ponder a, a certain figure. This year, the budget for Ontario's colleges and universities is $1.7 billion higher than when we took office. That's a 63% increase. And we didn't forget about bricks and mortar. Government's capital investments in buildings and equipment over the last several years totals into the billions. We help colleges and universities expand physically and build the up-to-date labs, facilities, and modern infrastructure they need to train students for the jobs of the future. By the end of next year, we will have built well over 40,000 new spaces for students at our colleges, universities, and training centers. Reaching Higher also took steps to create more spaces for master's and PhD students. By the time its graduate studies investments are fully rolled out, we will have more than 15,000 new graduate spaces in Ontario. And again, think about that figure, 15,000. That's the equivalent of the entire student population of the University of Windsor. Not only are these graduate students receiving a valuable education, but they are also an important part of Ontario's research infrastructure. And I'd be remiss as I also have the hat of Minister of Research and Innovation if I didn't congratulate our universities on their tremendous success in the research field. Since the Ministry of Research and Innovation was created in 2005, the McGuinty government has invested over $750 million at research projects at Ontario's universities. Our universities are helping make important breakthroughs in everything from stem cell research to quantum physics. Our colleges are also doing a terrific job in the area of research as well. For example, my ministry supports something called CONI, the Colleges Ontario Network for Industry Innovation, 
A growing number of our colleges are involved in applied research in Connie through areas like technology transfer and product development, areas that are making an important difference for their partners in the business and manufacturing sector. We have a lot to brag about in Ontario, but one of the key questions that I think all everyone's asking about every government program, including reaching higher, are we getting value for money? How do we assure students, potential employers, parents and all the taxpayers that these investments are truly paying off? Here again, Bob Ray provided us with some good advice on how to bring better accountability to our work. Besides giving our institutions a reliable five-year funding schedule so they could plan again, plan ahead, he, re he recommended the negotiation of individual accountability agreements with each institution, setting targets and measuring progress in a number of key areas. We followed his advice and over the past number of years have received annual reports from our, all our colleges and universities on the progress they've been making. Now combined with some additional measurement tools, they tell a pretty amazing story. We know that graduation rates have increased significantly, both at the college and university level, and that 80% or more of our students are satisfied with their education. We know post-secondary education enrollment is growing five times faster than it did in the 1990s. We know that the number of graduate students at Ontario universities has increased by 48% over just five years. And we know that by the end of March, our public and private colleges will have welcomed more than 28,000 students through our government's second career program. Now, strengthening what we like to call the third pillar of post-secondary education, skilled, tra skilled trades training and apprenticeship is an equally important ingredient in keeping Ontario ahead of the competition because Ontario's future prosperity relies heavily on our ability to build wind turbines and fixed bridges and build mass transit. Staying ahead of the competition makes sure, means making sure that Ontario can replace the tradespeople who are retiring over the next few years. It means making sure our tradespeople are ahead of the competition when it comes to state-of-the-art technology. The new College of Trades is one of the most important steps Ontario has ever taken to attract more young people to the trades and ensure a strong sector in the years ahead. We're creating this new self-regulatory body to make sure Ontario has the apprentices and the high-quality training system to lead us into the future. We've taken a number of other steps as well, providing additional investments to our colleges as well as our employer and union training centers to train more apprentices, to upgrade their facilities and purchase state-of-the-art equipment. We've also introduced incentives for both apprentices and employers to help more people get into the trades and encourage more employers to train. The results are undeniable. We've got 120,000 apprentices in the province of Ontario today. That's twice the number that was learning a trade when we took office. And I want to acknowledge all of our training and apprenticeship partners who are here today to tell you how important we see your role. Colleges, trades unions and employers, all who have done extremely well in helping Ontario prepare for the future. There's another important group with us today that also does important work 
in terms of training and education. And I want to recognize the representatives from our private career colleges who are here and acknowledge the important contribution that that sector makes. Many of you will be surprised to know that Ontario is home to over 400 private career colleges that offer vocational training to about 30,000 students in 70 communities across Ontario. Now I came here today because I want to tell an exciting story about all we've accomplished over the past five years. We've done a great job so far, but we have to do better if we're going to continue to out-educate the competition in the years to come. It's no secret the government is heading into some pretty difficult times. We have a deficit that's well over $24 billion, and tough choices will have to be made. But at the same time, I think everyone in this room knows that the Premier and the government have an unwavering commitment to education from junior kindergarten through to our colleges, universities, and apprenticeship system. Our government will also remember as we move forward that despite the many players involved in this system, at its core, it's about the students. And I'm so pleased we're represented here today, both at the head table and in the audience. And for the students with us here today, I want to assure you that uh, we're going to continue to listen to you very carefully, that we have listened to you very carefully about your concerns. And we're going to continue to work with our colleges, with our universities, with our training partners to maintain standards of excellence and to ensure that their programs are preparing you for future jobs. We'll work together to welcome a growing number of students into the system and to make sure that underrepresented groups receive the support that they need. We'll continue to find a way to ensure that students are not denied an education because of finances. Now one concern I often hear from students is about the challenge of easily moving between colleges and universities and receiving appropriate credit for the work they've accomplished and the skills they have learned. We've been working, my ministry, for several months with colleges and universities, but most importantly with students themselves through their student organizations to develop a formal credit system for the province of Ontario. Now there's still work left to be done, but you'll start to see an effective system being rolled out later this year that's going to begin to remove those obstacles. I've also heard from students and their parents about the issue of accountability. Earlier I talked about the agreements that we have with institutions and some of the ways we measure <laughs> excuse me, progress. Although these agreements are technically public, they very much remain inside baseball, as the old saying goes. Well, my goal is to take them out of the baseball stadium. I want to make them more available to the public and give students, parents, grandparents, everyone, taxpayers, a tool that lets them know how their local institution is progressing and what they're getting for their tax dollars as well as for their tuition fees. A few final thoughts that I want everyone to take away today. I'm very, very proud of Ontario's post-secondary sector and what we've accomplished through reaching higher. I'm proud to be part of a post-secondary education sector that ranks among the best in the world. As the old saying goes, I'm not just simply saying that. I, I had the pleasure of representing Canada earlier this year at a UNESCO meeting of 193 countries around the world to talk about higher education. 
And I've got to tell you, we're the envy of a large part of the world. And the struggles they have, they wish they had our problems. We have so much to be proud of. Now, there are countless examples of this world-class nature that I could offer, but I just want to leave you with a few. The University of Toronto and the University of Waterloo made Newsweek's Top 100 Global Universities Index. York University's Schulich School of Business is ranked eighth in the world for financial services education. Wireless and telecommunications technology students at Humber College made history last year by becoming the first college-level students to make live voice contact with an astronaut aboard the International Space Station. And Niagara College has Canada's first and only commercial teaching winery producing award-winning wines. Now, I could go on with this list all afternoon. I'm aware of the whole bun situation. But instead, I just give you, I just give you a few examples among many of where Ontario is leading the world. And I know with all the college and university representatives in the room, none of them will be shy with sharing, you, with, sharing with you some of their, their own stories. So in closing, let me repeat again that education, including post-secondary education and training, is going to continue to remain a priority for our government. And I look forward to working with all of you in the months ahead as we continue to strengthen what is truly one of the finest post-secondary education and training systems on earth today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. I'd like to call on Alison Loughton now, Director of the Canadian Club, to say a few words. I'm just saying I have the opposite height problem with you. <laughs> um, thank you very much, Mr. Malloy, for uh, joining us today. Um, I once read that the illiterate of the 21st century are not just those who can't read or write, but those who can't learn, unlearn, and relearn. So at the heart of this, of course, is the idea that education should be an ongoing part of all of our lives. After all, it is not just the health of our economy, but also the strength of our social fabric that depends on it. So the onus is on all of us as citizens to, continue, to continually invest in our own education and as a society to invest in our educational institutions. As you outlined, and as we all know in this room, um, over time this province has allowed itself to slip. And it's increasingly important that we restore Ontario's reputation as a leader in higher education and learning. So it's been very encouraging to learn about your plans and the progress that the government has made. When budgets are tight, it can be very difficult to invest with an eye to the long term. So I guess on behalf of the Canadian Club and of all of us in the room, and perhaps of your football-loving son as well, we thank you for these investments and thank you for speaking with us today. Thank you, Allison, and again, thank you, Minister Malloy, for your, uh, for your words. And I wanted to thank one more time our sponsors, Colleges of Ontario, the Council of Ontario Universities, the Electrical Contractors Association of Ontario, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Construction Council of Ontario, for making today possible. 
Before we, just a couple of mentions of our upcoming events of the club. On February 3rd, Dr. Rick Miner, President Emeritus of Seneca, Seneca College, an independent consultant with the Miner Management Consultants, discusses the future of Ontario's labour market. And on February 23rd, Richard Edelman, Global President and CEO of Edelman Canada, of Edelman, uh, will be speaking at our podium. And to order tickets to this or any other Canadian Club event, please visit our website at www.canadianclub.org. Um, this concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV. We are grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of the Canadian Club events. Um, and now, before we eat the Toast to Canada, can anybody help, everybody rise and join me in a Toast to, to Canada? To Canada. Enjoy your lunch. <laughs>